Dunkirk is the latest big blockbuster from acclaimed director Christopher Nolan, but does this movie make a successful landing, or does it get stuck behind the bookcase? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Interstellar was shit, remember? Fuck. Remember it was yes, fucking shit. I do. It's the best podcast ever. <laughs> it was it just there's a point in that where you just, where you just go, then and then just I'm lost from that point. On. No, no, that was uh, Assassin's Creed. Your rant on Assassin's Creed yeah, that was, was equally as good no, as the I rant think on. I think going to Stellar one was just better. It's perfect. Welcome to Pop School and the Fail Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're talking about Dunkirk. I am always Mike. And I'm Darren. No, that's the, we're doing the, the it's the post. Oh, we're doing music. the bit. It's the post music bit now. Oh, we're doing the bit. The bit. The bit. Okay, the, so the bit. And I'm always Darren. There we go. Thank you for that. Um, Dunkirk, Darren. It's a film. It's out now. It's from Christopher Nolan. This should make us excited. Is this the most basic information we can give about a film? Basically, it's out now, and this is what it's called. And here's who directed. Well, unfortunately, I think we're we're gonna head into this review certainly from my perspective of not being able to say a fantastic amount to describe this movie. I just want to tell people that, like other Christopher Nolan movies, it's very much drenched in its own visual medium. In that, I believe you should see it regardless of what you think of it. Is that yeah. is that bad? As I speaking to a fellow media nerd out there, and anyone who's on anything resembling a course that could have any th- impact in the film industry, watch this move for several reasons. There's a lot going on here that's very interesting in its choices that Christopher Nolan has made. Um, and yeah, we we're coming on the back foot with this one because, I mean, I I think um, in not Interstellar, the other one being like Inception. Yeah, Inception is a bit of a polarizing movie. I think some people really like it, some people really dislike it. I've always sat on the fence, but I do lean towards dislike. Hmm. There's just a lot going on, it's quite confusing. And we both hate Interstellar. Yeah. Do go back and listen to that podcast, it's probably our best ever rant <laughs> of all time and how stupid that movie is. It, Interstellar was an absolute train wreck, and yeah. I don't see why people can defend it. Inception, I think, was one of the best movies of its year, easily. Really, really I enjoyed that know. movie. I, uh, and then there was The Dark Knight, which is... You know, a tentpole movie, not only in superheroes, but in action movies. Yeah, still one of the best two superhero movies ever made. One of the most, like, unfoundable, unbreakable, this will never shift movies. It's it's, it's, it's the Spider-Man 2 of the modern era, really, yeah. essentially. It's Even perfect. though it's really within the same decade as but, Spider-Man 2, but forget what I'm saying. But then there was The Dark Knight Rises, which again, mm. quite polarising, I feel. Um, so, this could have gone either way for me. Yeah, same. And I, I don't know if it's a, a rip-roaring success. It's not a massive thumbs up on the same level that The Dark Knight was. But I think I liked it. Yeah, it's it's hard to recommend purely because it's not a movie that you go, oh, it was really good, you should watch it. Like, I really liked this bit, I really liked it. Because of the nature of the, 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 like, the story, of what it's all based around, it's very hard to say anything other than it's absolutely fucking harrowing. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's It's... The it's most very intense movie you've ever seen. Yeah, it's very intense, and that's what makes it hard to recommend because I don't know whether that level of just tonal oppression is going to suit everybody. And I get where you're coming from. I think 
I like this not for traditional film going reasons. Yeah. That sounds very pretentious, I know. But <laughs> it's more of like a think piece than anything else. Like no one's ever really done a war movie like this. Well, he's never done a war movie. Well, he's movie, never done a war movie, but I mean, the, the way it's set up, the structure of the story, the kind of absolute de emphasis of characters. Yeah. Was really interesting. And it's a really like way of saying. You know, of really showing a soldier for what a soldier really is. We've seen a lot of war movies like Saving Private Ryan and so on where they're really big characters, they have really big say in their actions. This one was more from just a basic foot-level soldier. They have no real say in their destiny. They Their only intention is to survive by any means necessary in a situation that looks pretty goddamn hopeless. And there's a lot of characters in this movie that I don't know the name of, and it's not because they weren't banged over the head enough or I just have a bad memory. I don't think a lot of the characters actually get any names. Not really. There's no real formal introductions to many of the characters. There's no. a few, but not many. One or two. But... And I think that's what makes Dunkirk such an interesting watch. Is Like you say, it's completely dehumanising in a field which is almost entirely populated by very human-centric mm-hmm. movies. I mean, look at the other one we got this year. Uh, well, at least for us this year, which was Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Which is a very personal story and yeah. one that I thought was really affecting. But I thought I wouldn't like how detached it all is, because mm-hmm. it's not—it's not like a Schindler's List where you're supposed to be—you're supposed to know somebody's agenda and follow their path. It's like this is the backcloth, yeah, and here's examples of stuff that happened. You've got characters, but they're nothing more than just tools to go. Okay, we're now going to bring these people together to show how this part of the war went down and how this part of the evacuation happened and. It's like machinery, and I think that that fits yeah. Nolan's, you know, that that's his modus operandi, is just everything works like machinery, and he's not about personal stuff. It's almost made, and this is going to say an even more bizarre statement, not to be boring in its characterisation, but very mundane. Yeah. They aren't big personalities, they aren't doing, you know, amazing acts of heroism. It's smaller than that. Again, the, the emphasis of character means that you don't really get attached to these characters in the same way you would with other war movies. It's more about the overall theme of war being a truly depressing thing. And the war itself is the main character. Yeah. Definitely. And everything else is just kind of immaterial to that. That's why you flip around so much. Um, I don't think there's a spoiler, really. What about how time works in the movie? Well, yeah, I didn't know that going in. It's, oh, okay. it's not linear no in its storytelling you don't follow this you know from you know start to finish in a linear timeline you are jumping back and forth and it's actually a bit confusing to begin with um in the when you first introduce the three main fronts which is land which is on the beach of dunkirk with the foot soldiers which take place over like a week a week yeah. Either, yeah um sea where you are with the um you're on a boat with some of the members of the public that knew that people needed saving from dunkirk so I just sailed their boats over there to go and get them that was um over which was over a day yeah and then you have the raf side of things where it's just one hour yeah um and, and and yeah, you jump back and forth without really knowing how far you've jumped back, what point in the storyline you are. And I think that adds to the kind of unease about the entire movie. Yeah. Is that you're kind of, just as a moviegoer, you're not entirely sure what's going on. You don't know what the stakes are at any one time. Are they miles away from Dunkirk? Are they right next to Dunkirk? Are they in Dunkirk? We don't really know any of that stuff. And I didn't know that going in. First of all, I didn't know it was set over three different, you know, phases and over three different time periods. And I... 
I admit I would have changed things a little bit. I think I'll leave that for the spoilers. Yeah, okay. Mainly, but yeah, for the overall adding to the tension and the ease, it was really well done. Yeah, it was. It's interesting, and that's that's the thing you can say about all of Nolan's movies that even the bad ones still have interesting ideas. Mm. I mean, look at Interstellar; that had the whole stuck behind a fucking bookcase bullshit. Oh Jesus, which is stupid, but it's. It's it's at least an interesting thought as to because he's done this before. Yeah. Instel had the whole oh we go down to a planet where time moves seven times quicker than actual time, so yeah. you go back up and dudes old as fuck. Yeah. So that's probably not the most eloquent way of putting it, and I'm sure that when you understand that that, that Nolan likes playing around with time, I remember watching this um, this interview and he's like, I wondered if I could make the third act of a movie the whole movie. And if that was his goal, if that was his, you know, end results, like this movie is going to be essentially a grimmer, slowed down Mad Max where the whole thing is just one big set piece. Yeah. It didn't work. And there are parts where it doesn't work. But as an experiment, I think it's definitely one of the more unique and interesting things you're going to see. It's admirable. It is admirable. Whether or not it's, you know concurrent to actual good storytelling is another discussion to have. No, you're right. But on the flip side of that, something I really, really did like is going back to that kind of mundane thing, it's one of the most realistic movies I think I've ever seen. Yes, definitely. And and just really not shying away from that grimness. Mm. But I think a lot of other movies, even like Saving Private Ryan, because yes, you've got the beach landing scene, but after that, they're they're, they're blowing up tanks and all this really like gung-ho type of stuff. You don't really get that outside the RAF. They, they get a few hero moments peppered in there. But the other two storylines, which I think you spend the most of the time with, there's no real true hero moments in them. Which, again, a very interesting way to try yeah, and sell. it's really It's odd. like he lost a bet. <laughs> yeah. It was like given all these... Like, I bet you can make a war movie with no war in it. Like, it was okay. like he was doing a Nuzlocke film. <laughs> of like, these are all these caveats you've got to stick to. And if you can't stick to them, you're fucked. It's really good. Um, so this is the point where we usually talk about characters and actors it's really kind of difficult it's, it's going to be very hard to do it I, I, I think we'll just we'll just highlight like the main players from yeah. each three stories I think that's going to be the main thing to do so we start off with the uh, the land story which is the one that kind of had the media's attention yeah. because of who is one of the main players in it yes the, the main guy is played by uh, Fionn Whitehead who's like this um, typical British soldier and again you don't really learn a lot about him other than he is a British soldier. A bloke called Theon jumping off ships. Oh, that's topical. Theon, not Theon. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping it with your Game of Thrones references. You'll get there one day, Michael. You'll get that joke in, in six to eight months. Which is interesting because he this guy hasn't been acting for long, maybe two years at best. Mm-hmm. So to land a, you know, what is essentially... The, the lead role in an Nolan movie. Fair play. However, he's... Accompanied for the whole movie by Harry Styles. You don't know you're beautiful. And I refuse to believe, like we were talking about this before we started, I refuse to believe that Nolan had no idea who he was. Hey, and that's what makes you beautiful. <laughs> that's all the One Direction songs I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. You are an impressionable young girl and we will talk to you. Yes, yes you, all of mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah, he was the big like, what? Yeah. You're going to put Harry Styles in a Nolan movie? Here's the thing, right? He showed up. I didn't know it was him. And I was, like, I was like, I'm waiting for Harry Styles. Like, where's Harry Styles? Because I was expecting the... The, the stupid the, hair. The stupid hair. And I, and I got to the end of the film and he's reading the newspaper. I was like, 
oh, fuck, it's him. <laughs> oh, no, you got that far into it. Yeah, I got to the last <laughs> shot and I went, oh, there he is. And then it goes, boom, dunk, uh, go home. Right. Like, okay. I have a similar experience with a different actor in this movie, but I'll get to that in a minute. But th- is that not a good sign that you didn't realise it was Harry Styles? It's an excellent it sign because he blended in very well. He did a good job. Yeah. He was a fine... I mean, he wasn't like he wasn't Tom Hanks or anything, but I mean, he did good. Hmm. He did fine. Like say, he was the one who... Um, for those who have seen the movie, there is a scene. I won't describe what happens because it gives away one of the the, the main concurrent plots mm-hmm. of that of that storyline. But there's a bit of a heated argument. Yeah. And he's the one on the accusatory side. And he does a swear. He does do a swear. <laughs> but his, his agents would have loved that. I know. But yeah, he was fine and it was weird. And it was... Ah, it, it breaks my mind, Aaron, the, that we have a member of One Direction in a Christopher Nolan movie... And it didn't end up worse than Interstellar. Did it give you mixed emotions? Yeah. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> no, that, that's not a, that's not, that's a, not a song. No. Okay. Did, but did it give you mixed emotions? You yes. Well, just dry your eyes. It's Sign of the Times. Uh, <laughs> the other song I know. Jesus. Isn't Christ. actually that bad. Harry Styles is... No, stop it. He's going to be the Robbie Williams, no, Michael. He's, no, he's, he's going to be the Robbie Williams. He's not loving he's Angels of, instead. He's going to come out of this and, and be the one that's like, oh, he was the talented one. <laughs> oh, okay. Can't wait for the um, 2050 version of Rock DJ. It's going to be awesome. Uh, no, he did... He did. Everyone in that... The, the kind of... The beach time, mm. including rampant Scottish guy from Force Awakens. Yeah, what? He was one of them. <laughs> that, that guy showed up. Without a Scottish accent... Well, actually, I think he had a tinge one, but nowhere near as thick as he was laying on in the Force Awakens. I couldn't tell you what his name is. But I he's saw definitely... you, bitch! <laughs> that guy. Conjure um, Club. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, he, he really did well. I can't really complain about him. I yeah. wanted to, but he did great. Again, I really want to praise somebody else's... Um, uh, performance in this movie because it's very much non-vocal mm-hmm. but unfortunately that's a massive spoiler so I can't yeah. really tell you who plays that character but the character of Gibson in the movie is amazing I yes. really liked his performance and that entire plot thread yes so you'll know when you see it yes, again this will. is why I have to recommend the movie even though I think there are some problems oh well, yeah it's because it's some things just have to be watched to understood, mm-hmm. be understood so, I think yeah. one of the bits that let me down a little bit was the kind of the high command section yeah where it wasn't really clear at any point what their true like intentions were because you have Kenneth Branagh as kind of your, your figurehead colonel on the beach guy yeah and then you have James Darcy playing um, he's kind of second in command lieutenant um, who's from Agent Carter and I love him in Agent Carter he's Jarvis and he's the best thing on that show I miss him so so much um, and, and you're never really clear what their dynamic is you feel that we're meant to be feeling things towards them because they make questionable decisions well at least Kenneth Branagh does yeah but but then he goes against them and does other things and it's confusing and I don't know if that was I've just realised something sorry I, I really hate to interrupt go on this is the most British movie I think I've ever seen yeah because there are Huge scenes, and I mean like a vast amount of time dedicated to queuing. Oh god, yes. There's a lot of queuing in this movie. A lot of queuing. We are so (laughs) organised. Saying the French characters they're trying to barge in because they don't understand. It's not in their blood, Michael. (laughs) There's a scene in the movie where the French are being not allowed on a boat, and behind them in the background is just queues. Yeah. Oh, wow, great. Christopher Nolan has made the most British movie of all time, and it didn't have Hugh Grant in it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> does have Michael Caine though? Obviously, because Cheeky, of course it as, does. as a little bit of a cameo as a radio voice. Yeah, 
because you know it's it's a Christopher Nolan movie. He's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, that could have been cleared up a little bit. But I think had they done that, they would have made it more like your Saving Private Ryan's, where he had an actual character as opposed to a realistic person who makes these kind of shades of grey decisions because it's in the name of war. He's trying to do what he, you know, the best job he can do on the fly. He can do all this shit that's coming onto them. But it's essentially just Kenneth Branagh's exposition marina, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> that's, that that's what it is. Every time it went, it's like, there's shit coming. Mm. Yeah, and then James Darcy runs up to him with some more plot. It's like, yeah. oh, fucking, then we're going to deal with all this plot. <laughs> <laughs> Motivations? Uh-oh. <laughs> if we ever, like, end up opening a bar or a pub, can it be called... Can it be called Kevin Browner's Exposition Marina? <laughs> yes, it can. Oh, here comes the narrative down! <laughs> <laughs> Plot! <laughs> boom! 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 <laughs> the Mesha scripts. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Michael, we're professional. Oh, professional. No, we're not. Get on. Get on. Oh, that's the best pun I've made. <laughs> Mesh the scripts. Amazing. Plie, plie. Right. Um, on to the sea now um, with the kind of... I keep on calling them the Merchant Navy, but that's not what they are. No, they're, um, they're just... What, what did they call them? There was like, the Navy is sequestered? Is that a word? Yeah, sequestered. Commission. No, not... No, oh, yeah, it's Commandeered. There we go. Commission makes sense because okay. they were they were assuming like um, yeah. payment for it. They, they nicked a lot of boats for yeah. people and uh, one played by... What's his name? Oh, the, the um, Mark Rylance. Yeah, the blo- oh, that's like the bloke that Spielberg likes because yeah. he's in everything. He's going to be in Ready Player One. Yeah. This is now I get to talk about the Ready Player One trailer really quick because I managed to get in there. Oh my God, that was the best trailer I've ever seen in my life. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be so fantastic. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Thank you. Sorry, I've been waiting two weeks to talk on the podcast about that fucking trailer because it's fucking glorious. That's my most hyped movie for next year. There's a Jurassic Park sequel coming out next year, Michael, and I'm more hyped for that. Um, where was I going? Mark um, Rylands. We Mark were going Rylands. back to Bridge of Spies, which you won an Oscar for. Yes. Um, and I didn't get it. I didn't oh. get why he won the Because I watched Bridge of Spies. I was like, he's good, but like... Eh. There's not much special about him, is there? No, he's just a very subdued, very English character. In this movie, he's a very subdued English character he's a, he's a realistic person but that's kind of what made him quite endearing yeah I really liked his little sort of like it, it's the keep calm and carry on nature mm-hmm. that was very much oh, very much so yeah yeah it was like because there's a scene where uh, Killian Murphy ends up on the boat yes. with him and he's like where are you going Dunkirk no you're not turn around alright son and then just carries on he's like yep. what are you doing turning around we've got a job to do I, I just Sorry, I really lad. I just really like it's like yeah, I know we're about to sail into almost near, like, unavoidable death, but, you know, it's our job. It's, it's the job, yep. Yeah. We need to go save our men, otherwise we're screwed. It's the right thing to do. It's the British thing to do. Now, go down there, sit in that bedroom and think about your Birmingham accent. Yeah. Work on that shit. Work on that. Um, Start queuing. Yeah, silly, like, he doesn't even have a name, Silly Murphy, in this. He's doesn't. literally called Shivering, Shivering Shoulder. Shoulder. <laughs> yeah. So he has, he's a nothing of a, of, a, of a person. But he's he's a guy that's dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder in the most like intense and like sudden way possible. On a small boat. Yeah, this isn't a guy who's had it for years. He's just acquired PTSD <laughs> yeah. and he's not coping well. I think that's the most we can say about it before anything else goes. Surely it's like but... during traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> yeah. <It's> DDSD. <laughs> he's not posted, is he? No, he's still very much in that trauma. Very good point michael um yeah that, I, I must admit i was never that ha- crazy whenever we went back to the boat scenes 
just because mm, they were so yeah. far removed. They were dealing with with kind of you know the the mental side of things. Yeah. You know, with the you know Cillian Murphy's character, with the kind of you know the British public thinking we need to go and do this. That was the more human side of things. And sorry for being a bit of a Neanderthal, but it's just there was some good acting going on. But again, because he was so Nolan was so centered on being realistic, they weren't really big bombastic characters. So it's a bit harder to get invested in Man on a Boat for an hour and a half of this movie. I know, but I actually kind of got behind that bit more than I thought I was going to. I thought my heart would have been in the the Dunkirk side of things, mm. but the channel crossing scenes I really, really enjoyed. Purely because, again, people like Mark Rylance who carry that along. Um, young actor that I really want to pay attention to in this one is Tom, uh, Tom Glincarney, who plays the son. Mm-hmm. Who... Let's just say things don't go well on that boat. No. And he deals with it really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's able to purvey like, different characteristics, like, sides of his yes. performance really, really well. So, like, at the start, he seems like a smug bastard. You don't really like him. He's like, oh, you're coming along. Oh, what a shame. Um, very quickly learning to become a functioning man and learning that maybe... A functioning man? No, you know what I mean? Because he's a child yeah, yeah. when he leaves... England, yes, but yes, yes. I would say that he's more adult and a lot more level-headed and morally grey in the right ways yeah. when he returns from Dunkirk. Right, yeah. Is, am I talking bullshit? I, I thought this no, was no, really good. You're right. I, I think my my issue with it was, and again, I know why they did this. This was very much the cool-down sections. Because the stuff on the beach in Dunkirk and the stuff with the RAF was so intense, they used this as, like, buffer matches in wrestling as like well you got really big intense action not even necessarily an action scene but intense things going on on the beach quiet everything down with the, with the boat stuff and then we go back to the RAF and, and big things start happening there um, and and that's fine that's a smart way to palette the movie but it means it was my least interesting of the three kind yeah, of sections sure. of this in comparison to the RAF however which was pretty cool which was I mean it's Spitfires versus Messerschmitts it's yeah. you know if you're not patriotic about that you're not patriotic about anything you can always count on Spitfires versus Messerschmitts to yeah. bring to bring the thunder they were really good the dog fighting was fantastic I don't know if it was just a cinema I was in but the sound effects were really loud mm, yeah. like earth shatteringly loud so to give you that kind of real it added to the intensity that it was it was uncomfortable when you were in the RAF planes because yeah. the sound of the of the rifles cracking off was so goddamn loud. Uh, it actually managed to get a few laughs out of me when he's uh, writing on how much fuel he thinks he's got left. Yeah. because the gorge that the gauge gets broken. He's like, I reckon I'm gonna go into the seventy. But like he used to remind himself, probably yeah. another seventeen. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Tom Hardy is a working class hero here of just like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry, it's just the gauge. <laughs> Fuck who cares? <laughs> he's probably got a broken down Fiesta at home. <laughs> I'm sure there's that much left in it. It's fine. Um, it would have, would have been mo- the most beautiful thing if that movie ended. This isn't how the movie ends. This is how I would have ended it, with him managing to fly the Spitfire back, then just ends with an outwards panning shot of his house with the Spitfire on bricks. <laughs> <laughs> like he's run that shit into the ground. He said he'd repair it. He never did. He lands at a Texaco. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. Four. That was close, lads. The last shot. Give me in. a Ginsters. I was going to say, get a Ginsters. <laughs> Taking a bite into a steak bake, cut to black. The end. Ginsters revels bread ball. Now <laughs> he was really good. Again, Tom Hardy he needs speaking accents because I still don't know where he was from. But well, I think that was most of the. I think it was the Bane problem though. He got a big fucking thing in front of his face. Yeah, you almost you don't see Tom Hardy's face for the entirety of it. Nor his 
he's kind of um, uh, wingman as well, who's yeah. with you most time. I need to talk about him for a second. Yeah. Because at the start of this movie... This, I didn't uh, really... this, this was... No, don't give it away. Because uh. I started this movie and I thought... Because I hadn't really read up on the cast. I knew that Tom Hardy and Cillian Murphy were in it because those two are, you know, buddies and yeah. they're in everything together and it's Christopher Nolan and I get it. I looked at him because you don't see his face and I just saw his eyes and you hear a, a bit of a Scottish tinge to his accent. I thought it was Ewan McGregor. I did think that as well. I was like, oh, I didn't know Ewan McGregor was in this. And he's flying about and he's having a good time. And then I think there's a few shots later on where he's in real like sunlight during mm. one of the dogfights. Yeah. And I changed, I thought, wait, is that McAvoy? <laughs> is that James McAvoy? Because that could be McAvoy. And I went, I leaned out to my brother and was like, is that Ewan McGregor or James McAvoy? I was, like, I was thinking the same thing, I don't know. <laughs> And then he lands in... He, you get to see his full face at one point, and yeah. he's neither of them. <laughs> it's Jack Loudon. I was really surprised. Like, oh, shit, it's neither of them. Okay. <laughs> that kind of should play up to his acting ability, though, to be able to be mistaken for Ewan McGregor yeah. and James yeah. McAvoy within a two-hour period. He's really good. And he gets the best line of the entire of the entire movie, which we can't say because it's a bit spoilery, yeah, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, the, the RAF stuff was really well done. Like I said, the dogfights was really great. And it's where you got the more traditional war movie aspects from it. Yeah. Because it's like a never never say die, never surrender attitude of the of the Spitfires taking on the Messerschmitts. Although, because all their scenes pretty much happen concurrently. Yes. It's a little bit, because this is a, it's a long movie, but it is, however, somehow one of Nolan's shortest. Yeah, it's only two hours. Yeah. Pretty which, crisp. Yeah, I'm okay with mm. that. Because Lord knows they need to sit through three more fucking hours like Interstellar. Nope. Good God, it didn't need it. Either way, so their stuff happens, but like there's a lot of shit that happens in between. So every time the Spitfire shows, it'll be like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot this was happening. And you, you're excited. Dun, 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 dun. But, but it's essentially that bit from, and you won't get this, unfortunately, but I know that people will get this. It's essentially that scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where the guy's running in the distance for the inti- for like 10 <laughs> minutes. Yep. And then it's because to people reacting, and he's still in the distance. Got to be right. And then all of a sudden he's here. It's like, hey! uh-huh. <laughs> That's what it was. Because at the end of the movie, they just turn up. I'm like, yep. okay, you must have got here then. Awesome. Yeah, you're also, right. Also, the RAF could only send three planes, really. But that's explained by the colonel saying, like, well, they, they don't want to give that many supplies. That's why they're not sending destroyers and loads of other ships and loads of planes over yeah. to save everybody. Because they think they're about to be invaded. They think, oh, fuck, if they've taken France, we're fucked. They're coming straight over the channel. We need all the tanks and the planes we can to defend Britain. We can't. As unfortunate as it is, we only want 30,000 soldiers back to man the, you know, the Cliffs of Dover. Yeah. There's 400,000 men there. That's, we don't need that. Um, which is, again, a Halloween fact. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, they're sticking very close to what actually happened to Dunkirk. But... I think that's better for it in that you don't see loads of planes and loads of dogfights. Oh, God, sorry. I need to interrupt you again. Some poor fucker, some poor bastard at the end of this movie was like, oh, that really happened then? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the war went to Ireland. I'm like, Dunkirk's not in Ireland! You fucking moron. Oh, wow. They thought, they thought that entire scene, that entire <laughs> movie, took place in Ireland. You know, where all the French people come from. You fucking moron. Okay, carry on, sorry. Wow! Yeah, because they thought it sounded vaguely Irish. It kind of does. I mean, it does. It it's doesn't not the sound most French, French sounding. No. But <laughs> yeah. still, Dunkirk. Okay, okay, I kind of. It's not get like it. Calais, though, is it? Just... But you, you would have thought you'd have twigged on by all the French people. You know. Yeah, why are all these French people? <laughs> why is there no Irish people? <laughs> why does it not look anything like Ireland? You oh know, wow! The questions. Um, 
I mean, it was grey and miserable, so it's not that far flung from Ireland. So, so, you know, (laughs) shout out to all our Irish fans. I love Dublin, it was great. Um, Michael's wearing green, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've eaten Lucky Charms once, yes. Yes, yes, he has. And I I think I'm going to have to say my my biggest praise for those RAF scenes, because again, yes, they weren't really what Nolan was really trying to do with making this a realistic gritty movie mm. and it's a realistic dog they don't really panic which is something you don't really see in fighter planes because Top Gun they're always fucking shouting at each other it's almost a very like strange calm about them just being very matter of fact even when there's a dog there's a Messer Smith on, on McAvoy Ewan guy <laughs> and and Tom Hardy Jack just, Loudon. Tom Hardy's like oh, I've got him buddy she's like yep I've got him don't worry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even when the, there's a scene where one of them goes down it's kind of like Oh, yep, I'm going down. Okay, yep, see you later. It's all right. <laughs> it's, it's very... Gotta, gotta, yep, lost him on comms. Bye. Boom. Yep, see ya. Give him a little wave. Off he goes. <laughs> yeah. Right, I think that's all we can talk about. Really? I guess it is. I mean, the, everything else we'd have to give away is spoilery. So, yeah. um, hearty recommendation. I wouldn't go in predi- expecting your typical war movie. I think that might turn some people off. Especially the kind of disjointed time of the whole thing might, might ruin it for some people. Yeah. But... As a technical exercise, this is this is in a league of its own so far this year, and just like really not being what I expected, but not being you know because Interstellar wasn't what I expected, but on the complete other spectrum to what Dunkirk is, it's not my favorite movie of the year, not by a long shot. It's in my top ten, but almost by default. But I, if this is your type of thing, you're into historical accuracy or whatever you want to go and do, go and watch this movie. I saw this with. Um... Uh, like entirely different people to what I normally see, you know, movies with. I okay, normally see not them with, me. Yeah, see them. I didn't see it with you, basically. And there's an there was an array of reactions to this movie, and that's what was really cool to see. So one of the people I was seeing it with was almost moved to tears by how like real it was, and he said mm. I, he said he thinks that everybody should see this movie because it's so on the head of what war feels like. Yeah. I was like, that's really interesting. It turns out that his family's got military background right, right, and all right. that. So it was really interesting to get that perspective. I'm with you, though. I don't think it's going to be in my top five. No. Top ten, maybe. Mm. Good possibility. But this year's just been really kind to us for yeah, good films. so far. Just good everything, to be honest. Everything's been fantastic. It's mm-hmm. been weird to not... Like, we've done one flat-out negative review, and it was in January. Yeah. That's kind of insane. It really is. Um, but, yeah, as you say, as an exercise... It falls short in some areas. I think it's definitely a movie that could be studied. So I think oh God, yeah. if you're very much coming from the film school side of things, as me and Darren have done, you're definitely going to find something to you know talk about or study or replicate mm-hmm. or be inspired by. From a storytelling standard, though, it, it could have been better. But it's a shorter movie, it's punchier, and it's way more personally affecting in that I think there's a lot of horror to be found in this film yep. a lot of a lot of scary shit I'm pretty sure I'm an uh, 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 start again I'm pretty sure I'm an aquaphobe after watching this movie oh god yeah because water is fucking terrifying yes although you've got a pretty bad luck to go to three different boats and end up <laughs> all sick yeah, all of them every oh, single god, one oh god if that guy grows up to be Uncle Albert from Martin Phil's <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the happiest man in the world <laughs> There we go, Nolan. Make it happen. It's a recommendation from me, but I think there's caveats to it. But it was still a damn sight better than Interstellar, so you know. Well done. <laughs> Multi-million dollar director Christopher Nolan there getting a faint bit of praise. Yeah. Good times. A weak thumbs up. Spoiler alert! 
third line of the goddamn century <laughs> when this when when you McGregor slash James McAvoy slash other guys Spitfire goes down <laughs> and you probably get the most intense scene of the boat when he's just trying to break through the the that was um, cool. the canopy of the Spitfire whilst the boat's slowly trying to make its way over. And it's not looking great for him. He looks like he's about to drown. Because he's not all that important a character. Tom Hardy's clearly the, the, the main character of the RAF stuff. And he's just desperately trying to pound his way through with the flare gun. And then the guy on the boat gets like, I don't know, some like trawler thing and just smashes the window open. He barely escapes his own, grabs the stick and then just turns to the guy on the boat and says, Afternoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was the most British thing ever it's in the most so British of movies. Matter of fact, yeah, it's so great. Right, <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, <laughs> the the intensity of the, especially the stuff on Dunkirk Beach. Yeah, so jarring. The bombing at the start from the Messerschmitts. Yeah, as the bombs just trace their way down the beach. You've only just met this guy, so you don't know he's the main. You guy. spend about five minutes with him whilst he's trying to find a suitable place yeah. to take a shit, and now he might die. It's like okay. Doof, 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 and then just sand scatters him, and he's narrowly amidst death. And like most of them are getting up, but quite a lot of them aren't, and it's and they're oh. not even like panicking. No, and then they just queue back up again. Yeah, it's so it's so ridiculous. Then you get the boat scene. We're on the boat that then gets torpedoed by the U-boat, and they're going down, and they all get saved by the French guy. We can mention him now. Yay! That was a really intense. Scene. Okay, can I actually like name him now? Yes, I you thought, may, because he was really, really good and. This plotline was my absolute favourite of the movie. This guy's name is... Oh, wow. Um, Anurin Bernard, I think his name is. Anurin Bernard. Anurin Bernard um, as Gibson, who is awesome. So he disguises himself as an English soldier in order to get away from home. That's awesome. Yeah, like, and the fact that it's not made clear if he's a German spy, if he's French, or, or whatever the hell well, he is. The weird thing, the movie opens with those three titles when it's introduced to the thing. So yeah. like it says, like, like the, R- the RAF, one Yeah. The, the sea to us but the one that opens up says the mole one week that's what threw me off because that was really unclear it's yeah. not until Kenneth Branagh mentioned that the, the like the pier is called the mole mm. for whatever reason that I was kind of like oh okay we're not on the search for a mole but I think that was deliberate to make us all think hmm yeah. I don't know what exactly man? he's like spying on us for because he's just trapped in like a shitty beach and he's then just trapped in a boat with Harry Styles for an hour which is way more exciting than we're making it sound. Yes, it is. It really is. Um, <laughs> the target practice bit when they're all hiding out in that. Oh, God, that scene's so, so bad. <laughs> You've got Harry Styles getting angry at everybody. Um, everyone trying to suss out if he's German or French or whatever the hell he is. The Dutch turn up. <laughs> the Dutch sea captain turns up for no apparent reason. And then, yeah, just those bullets just ding, ding, ding. Oh, my God. It's so worrying. It's yeah. not. A, it's not an easy watch. No, the, certainly. I think that to bring you back to what you said about the first time the boat goes down after being torpedoed. Yeah, and it's it's a room full of people who have think they've won. They're eating jammy toasts. I mm-hmm. think. I think that's what they're yeah. having. And they're like, oh, this is so British with the shitty cups of tea and the the crap stuff. And then all of a sudden, water, water, darkness, blackness, death. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. That was. Anytime the movie gets claustrophobic is when it's at uh, yeah, and its it absolute gets best. claustrophobic so often. And it's not... This is the thing. I don't think, before the spoiler warning, I used the word enjoyable. Because I didn't really necessarily enjoy this movie. In the same way I didn't really enjoy Logan. I just really liked it for a lot of other reasons. But joy and happiness is not one of them. Yeah. Because outside of the final scene when they get back on the train and Harry Styles is like... 
well, I fucked it, you know, we're a disappointment. He even says to somebody, we're sorry we let you down. Yeah. And it, he thinks he's going to come into this turmoil, like, you know, soldiers coming back from Vietnam and everyone fucking thinking they're failures and useless and they hate them. And everyone's just happy to see them, like, thank fuck you back. I mean, they're still pissed at the RAF. But, um, <laughs> yeah, for reasons. The fuck you doing, mate? Where the fuck was you? <laughs> um, but the, everyone else, they're just like, thank, thank God you're back, we're just happy you're alive. 320,000 people were saved and the only one is 30. That's great. That That's the only really, like, happy bit of that thing. And, of course, it ends with one of the most famous speeches of all time. He does. Which is, a, as it was ca- as it was starting up, I was like, he was reading off the papers going, I know this from somewhere. I've, I've read this. And, I was like, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, well, there it is. There it is. The you see on the beaches. Tom Hardy torching the Spitfire and becoming a, a POW, um, which was a nice end, because I, I, I thought for... Certain Tom Hardy was fucked. Yeah. When he ran out of fuel, I was like, well, what the fuck's he gonna do? Yeah, Tom Hardy is just essentially the master of drifting. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's essentially Tokyo drifted this Spitfire around the goddamn beach. And still took out a mesh of spit before he went down. <laughs> yeah. And then cranks the like the wheels down and then gives up halfway through and just goes, this is hard work. <laughs> I, I know it's probably difficult, mate, but just crank that before you fucking got. Oh, Tom Hardy cranking it in a plane. <laughs> Who'd have thought that that's that the movie the, I want to see? The most British thing we've ever seen. I think this is going to take a lot of Oscars. You think? I really do. Maybe not Best Picture. I don't think it's that level of quality. But a lot of the cinematography. I was going to say it might take cinematography. Yeah, the the the, the, the sh- shot of Tom Hardy looking over the torch in Spitfire is beautiful. Yeah. It's oh, really. God, yeah. I was like, oh, drink that in. That's the Nolan that we missed from Interstellar. It's not even necessarily something you would think of, but I think special effects it might do really well. You think? Because was there, was there any point during this movie? Well, you know when you're watching superhero movies and you just know, back of your head, I'm watching all CGI. Yeah. Was there any any point in this movie where you thought that? No, that's Because oh, it's, it's a different type of special effects. It's not showing anything truly fantastical and like, you know, on the cosmic level of Marvel or, or superhero movies in general. But it's showing more realistic things that maybe we're used to and maybe they, it's easiest for just to, you know, have a suspension of disbelief. But at no point did I come out of this movie and think that is clearly a CGI... Spitfire hitting you know, the sea. None of that happened. Mm, it was, re- And that's maybe not the most amazing use of special effects, but in terms of just never really breaking that fourth wall and, and kind of cracking kayfabe, it was that's, really good. That's true, actually. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot to enjoy here. I just think the time thing could have been either better explained or I would have been more interested had they done this. And it might not have been possible. Had they done this as, here is two hours of Dunkirk. We're going to do it linear. This is exactly two hours of this beach landing. Yeah. You have to speed up the boats, and maybe you can't get as much done on the beach. Mm. But that might have been, that would have made it even more intense. You know what I mean? That This is literally, every second we're spending with the RAF people, they could be bombing the beach again, the, the boat could be in trouble, whatever. That would have been a really interesting take as well. Maybe you don't then get to have as much time as you did on the beach with, with the soldiers, just because you, know, you don't have that much time in the two-hour time you have to do that. But that might have been slightly more coherent. Yeah. I think still different from anything we've seen with a war movie. You don't really see that anywhere. But, yeah, it was a few times where you're like, weren't, oh, so there's Killian Murphy on a boat. No, I liked that bit where it shows you Killian Murphy being dragged up onto the onto Mark Rance's boat. Yeah. Which was cool. I was like, oh, Killian Murphy's here, okay. But then you get to see him being a cocky asshole pre-PTSD. Yeah. And I'm like, this is clever. And like the whole Spitfire going down and then picking them up. Essentially, that boat is just, they pick up the characters that get dropped off in other (laughs) storylines. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's like they're like they're like the uh, the trawlers that get rid of the rubbish. Yes. <laughs> they just go. Oh, okay, they've forgotten about you. Have the Killian. Come on, up you come. Come on, Harry. Oh, <laughs> yes, you're beautiful. And get in there. Flow <laughs> <laughs> deck with you, rat. Um, people fit on that boat as well I feel like I know it was like a clown car wasn't it yeah. it was the inception of boats yeah. <laughs> there's even a corpse down there and they're all just going oh, we'll just oh god that plot line I thought they were gonna that take... plot line that took a turn I was like oh this is where we're going that Cyclops looking dude is dead he did look like Ty Sheridan Right, it, it was just bit, me yeah, that yeah, thought yeah. that. And then it was Harry Styles almost picks him up and puts him under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> he does it. He just puts a cover on him. I thought, oh my god, that's really disrespectful. <laughs> just shuffle him out into the bed. <laughs> that would have been amazing. It's like asking people to lift the feet up so they yeah. can fit the head under. Just to, yeah. Could you please? We're trying to keep just, tidy. And <laughs> <laughs> you just put him in a suitcase. <laughs> I did like that. The uh, Mark Rylance's son just kind of forgives. PTSD, you see him moving near the end when he keeps asking, is the boy going to be okay? He knows he's dead and he's because he's going to be fine, don't worry about it. And then Silly Murphy on when they get back just disappears into the ether. Yeah, that, that, I feel like up. we could have had, a, yeah, I was about to say we could have had a. But that's the thing, that in reality, stories don't have clean endings, you know what I mean? He wouldn't get to have his retribution and, and, and find out that he really killed the kid or anything like that. That's just what happens in war movies. Everything's not cut and dry. And I like that. I liked. At the kind of expense of it being a more well-rounded story, I like that he stuck to his guns of like, no, we're going to make this realistic. Not everyone gets a happy ending. Not everyone gets to be heroic. Something just ends. But even then, like the way that the, they handle the that storyline where Killian Murphy essentially kills a child, yeah, was a bit. I'm like, did we? Like, I get why you've done it. And I get that it's supposed to show because we're gonna go back to the beach and everything's gonna get claustrophobic and and awful and horrific again. But did we really need to ha- have spend a lot of time with? Oh no, better move Tommy's body. Essentially, like yeah, no, was it getting a bit. And I didn't think that was handled as well as it could be. Essentially, because he essentially gets killed by smacking into a tap or something. like yeah. that. Yeah, this is but, why I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't all that happy when everyone went back to the boat. There were some good scenes, like I said, the one with the Spitfire. And the bit with the when the oil is spilt out of the ship that they were trying to get oh, near. Oh, that was good. That's I forgot a good about scene. That bit. Yeah, when, oh. he's, when he's under the water with fire above him, I'm like, that's a great scene. Um, um, but other than that, I was like, I'm okay with it. More boat scene. Go back to the RAF. Again, <laughs> bit far as a measurement. It's just it's all I wanted in the movie. <laughs> I can watch that shit for four hours. Fuck two. Um, well, I think that's everything we need to cover there, Maggle. It's about it, yeah. So it's a recommendation. Absolutely. I think, like I say, there is a lot to unpack. I think I don't. I haven't checked the, t- the clock on this, but I'm fairly certain this is quite a long episode, mm. as is expected from a Nolan movie. It's going to yeah. be interesting to see what he does next, though, because we've had. It'll be interesting. We've had the superhero stuff. We've had the, um, what you call it, uh, supernatural and sci-fi stuff. Yeah. We've had a serial killer movies, done yeah. stuff like that. He plays with time in all of them, but you know. Yeah. Christopher Nolan only fills and all his reboot. Hey, That's what I want to follow. Exactly. It's the sequel to Dunkirk. We didn't know we wanted. <laughs> oh, plug away, Michael. You can go ahead and find me on uh, Twitter and mainly just Twitter actually. And I'm on Instagram as well as uh, that Mike Cohen. Or you can go and follow the site under his name Fowley and T. That's F O U L E N T on any social media of your choice. Darren, you can follow me on Twitter at the Guthridge. You can also follow me on Instagram at Daz the G. Please do see my head wobble tour of the Harry Potter studios in London. It was. Fantastic. Fantastic. I did watch that today going, oh, here's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonderful day. I also brought the Elder Wand. 
Nice. I'm not full of great decisions. Is it one of the cast resin ones? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. I "I do want Snape's because he is my favourite character with a wand because I can't get Hagrid's because he's trying to buy an umbrella. But the Elder Wand has purpose in the story, so I brought that instead. Um, I also brought a lot of stuff I really shouldn't have at that place. But there we go. Um, And yeah, please do follow the site. We're going to be filming another. Filming? Uh, recording more podcasts today, and they'll be coming out very soon. We're sorry we missed Planet of the Apes. I mean, I'm going to see it. We will get it done. Oh, we will get it done? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely planning on seeing it. Then look forward to Planet of the Apes Yay. three weeks after the release of the movie. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Oh, speaking, uh, speaking of things that are far too late, these podcasts are on YouTube now. Yeah, We finally Woo! did it. I finally figured it out. And it, oh, to be honest, it wasn't a lot of effort after all that. I was like, oh, this will never work. And, and then it worked. It's piss easy. Sweet. So yeah, I'm going to be uploading um, past episodes up, sort of like midweek, and then new episodes up at the end of weeks. So mm-hmm. that's how it's going to work out. We're going to be the only creators on YouTube very soon, by the way. Everyone's jumping off that gym. So sweet. We can get in bed with YouTube. We don't mind selling their fucking souls. Yay. We're waiting to sell our souls. Give me that ad revenue. Yes. <laughs> Bye, Thank- everybody. Bye. This is the best put I've ever made in this episode. Wonderful stuff. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>